This is I'm Woke and Tired. I'm Chelsea. I'm Miranda. And today we're going to talk about white women's movements throughout American history and altogether why sometimes we dislike white feminists. That's friendly terminology to use. We sometimes dislike. You <laughs> realize I just <laughs> was trying to do the intro. Like I wasn't really thinking about what I was saying. Okay, so. Um, I'm not yeah. cutting that out. <laughs> no, that's fine. You don't have to. Um, white women love to take over conversations about oppression. Just They just love to. Anytime like people of color are like, yeah, like black people say talking about exclusion and feminist movements throughout time to this day and white women be like yeah well women are oppressed from everything you know they try to equate it and it's not the same um and that kind of stuff i think something as a historian i always think about when it comes to like women and women's history and i've started to figure out the reason i don't tend to like women's history is because when you say women's history you most likely mean like rich middle class white women's history because throughout, mm-hmm. up until really the 20th century, a little bit late 19th, but mostly 20th century, the only women allowed to like keep records that were deemed as valuable and usable, as in written records like diaries, journals, court records, things like that, were white women. Rich white women who could afford the educational and the read to write, things of that sort. So you're leaving out oh, most like 95% of women at that point. Mm-hmm. No women of color really have records that were kept. Um, a lot of even white working class women didn't have records being kept. Things of that sort. So that's pretty much kind of what we're going off of and into how that turns into modern day women's movements. So I just want to actually diverge a little bit to something else that you said about like white women seem to just want to be more oppressed like they want to be like the most oppressed in the room which is always interesting you're like it's like "Mm." this weird contest in their brain because for a while i think they're the only oppression people cared about was white women yeah and recently i think everyone who's listening has heard by now that a professor i think george washington university i think it was um who was the head of the africana department Mm -hmm. was white this whole time she's how do you one i saw a picture of this woman and i also was like come on now at least rachel dalzell looked a little bit more black like she put off the hair so everyone was like mm, maybe like she's like a quarter and well like fine but this woman was not black like at all and it's just that like you taking that on and being like i'm a black woman mm-hmm. and literally the head of africana department what are you doing? Like, wh- you're already a woman. Yes, in some ways you are oppressed. Why are you, you're going to add something else to that? Then take a spot that should be a black woman's spot, essentially. I think also, if you're, like, a head of a department, you have a PhD in African studies, you should know better. Yeah. I've done, like, fucking African history 101, basically. It was tied on 200 level course, but basically it was African history 101. And even then, it's just, like, that bare bones is, like, 
you know better than to do that shit. Exactly. So what is going on? Also, even recently, I had a conversation with a white woman. And, like, of course, there's still anti-Semitism in the world. Uh, yeah, like, <laughs> dude, Nazis are really running around here thinking like they can. And even at that moment, she equated it with it. And I was just like, why, why, we never can have these conversations with white women, can we? Um, because it's like, when we're especially talking about black issues, it seems in that moment they need to be like, oh, remember, I'm oppressed over here, bitch, we always remember. Like, we'll never forget. You make sure we do not forget. I promise you. When the revolution comes, we won't leave you out as well. Like, let it go. Let it go. So that was just something I had to talk about. How, like, it just always seems like it does have to be a competition. And it's just crazy because I feel like black people especially go out of their ways to make white women not forgotten, right? Like, go out of their ways to, mean, like, to show them that there's solidarity. Knox County. And I think it's actually, no, the entire state of Tennessee right now. I don't actually know. I know it was the last school year. I don't know how they did it. But, like, every month you had to talk about suffrage in schools. Every grade level didn't matter. Like, that was a state mandate. You had to do it in schools. And when we talk about suffrage, we were, like, white women. Like, Susan B. Anthony, those kind of people. So, like, we do talk about women's history. We talk about white women's history. And I think, yes, that is an important topic to talk about in historical classes, things of that sort. That is often left out. However... It's not the only thing that gets left out. And I feel like people tend to get into this trap of comparison. Like, we don't need to compare oppression. Uh, We don't need to say who had it worse, who had it better, whatever. You can be oppressed and people still have it worse than you. And you can still be valid in the oppression you have faced. It doesn't mean it's not valid. It just means other people also have things separate from you, separate from your existence. That you should also be aware of. Yeah. I always think, though, that white women, especially white feminists feel guilty because they realize that a lot of times like although they're oppressed they're also oppressing other people's like actively and especially during like the early uh, 1900s so it's like they want the spotlight to come back on them and their oppression so that no one can see like they also are oppressing other people and so that's the problem because even right now right like if you see like white feminists who are middle class or up like or upper class they have to recognize that like dude you're also a part of the oppression of other people in the system that like keeps that going and they don't want to face that so it's just like (laughs) they want to be like no mine is as worse as yours so i never have to do with the fact that i'm also helping in your oppression Mm -hmm. like Come on, it's the very, like, Karens out there (laughs) that call themselves white feminists who call the police on black people. Come on, face it at this point. I think it's, I mean, it is, like, I think psychologically very difficult to recognize that you were both oppressed. Because I feel like women always kind of know you growing up being like, women used to not be allowed to do this. And white women can always relate to that. Like, wow, we've come so far, let alone. Because white women, I think you can track your progress in a way that some other groups of people, populations can't. Um, and then you get to know, especially right now, people are saying white women are a problem, basically, because in a lot of senses you are, because you take over the conversation, um, or white women are just, don't want to recognize they are oppressors, because it's a hard thing to do when you're like, you grew up knowing you were oppressed, and now to deal with, I did that, what they did to me, to other people, and I think that's a difficult thing to come to terms with, but it's an important thing to come to terms with. 
Exactly. So I just wanted to talk about that a little bit. But now we can move on to really talking about like the women's movement. Um, I know Miranda went to talk about Susan B. Anthony, which is funny because I don't remember really anything about her. But I did do a report about her literally in like the fifth grade. I believe it. That's why I'm always saying like their history really is covered better than people think they are. I'm like, we're literally in Tennessee, in Knoxville. Here I am, a black girl writing a report about Susan B. Anthony in the fifth grade. The fuck? Was I writing anything about Sojourner Truth? Was I writing about anything about Ida B. Wells? Yeah. Was I like that's what I'm saying? It's like calm the fuck down like about like it definitely is being covered way better than like most history out there it could be better of course because like you said like they're only covering like um really people middle class upper middle class and upper class Mm -hmm. but it's like come on now like you could be left out like a lot more and i was like the fact that i at like a majority black school this is what's Mm -hmm. great majority black school i'm writing a report by susan b anthony why like I'm sorry. Yeah. What? Well, because it's curriculum. Um, but also, like, talking about Susan B. Anthony, because people um, always like to argue she wasn't racist. Because I think Susan B. Anthony's put up as this, like, women's icon. And I have this huge problem. I don't know if I've talked about it on this podcast where we idolize historical figures when we shouldn't. And I know I've said something along the terms of every historical person you look into will disappoint you. It does not matter who the fuck we are. Martin Luther King, Gandhi, fucking Noam Chomsky, we discovered is disappointing to people. It does not matter who they are because everyone is a whole person. So there are some people who like, they have a lot of good, but they have some bad. Some people have a whole lot of bad, but they do like oh. good things and all that kind of stuff. Just to fit in there for five seconds, Noam Chomsky really, people really need to like tell him to sit down just for five seconds. Just because- I mean, that's probably valid. Because recently on TYT, he said that Trump is as bad as Hitler. And everyone was like, pause, pause. Yeah, I do hate that, though. Trump is horrific. Yeah. He probably is one of the worst leaders in American history. But you know what he isn't doing? Systematically killing a group of people. Everyone was like, dude, it kills me when other, like, anti-Semitism is used to, mm-hmm. like, equate black people. But even then, at that moment, I was like, oh, no, 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 stop, stop. Like, that's just yeah. not true, objectively. Objectively speaking, that's not true. So, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> no, no, I'm not saying, like... No, but that was just something that, like, person. triggered just, in my head. I, I think like, that's one of those things, because I feel like especially leftists, that's why I mentioned him. Pause. Phone goes off. Alright, but, like, yeah, people try to make the argument that Susan B. Anthony wasn't a racist. And, um, yeah, she was. Let's talk about that. Um, so, just first and foremost, Susan B. Anthony was raised, like, late 19th, early 20th century Southern values. Um, you know what those were? Racist. And then, the iconic quote people love to point at. That is, I think, pretty much true. Um, she said something along the lines of, I would rather cut my own arm off than for black men to get the right to vote before white women. Tis a thing she said, and okay, I understand. Yes, she did technically fight with Frederick Douglass to help black people get the vote. And here's my take on it. I'm not going to act like I am the end-all, be-all truth of it. She did that to make white women suffrage more palatable to people. Basically, what I do with kids when I'm working with them, reasonable options. You present two options. You have to pick one. And their options were give white women the right to vote or give black people the right to vote. And that's how she presented it, basically. 
and they decided that, you know, white people, they wanted white people to vote, not black people. And that was an actual tactic she used. So yeah, she was a racist. She used it to her advantage. Also, people are forgetting that black people continuously have done this throughout history, which is why I was totally right. By the end of Frederick Joe's life, he'd become less of a radical because when you're a radical early on, you just get beaten down by everyone else. At some point, you're just, just like, fuck tired. it. Yeah, you get tired about it. And I think at some point he did what most people in the black community do at some point is they are like, fuck it, even if that person's racist. I'll, if it's in the best interest of my community to get something, then we'll go for it, mm-hmm. right? Like, maybe he also thought maybe white women have to get the right to vote before everyone else does, right? Like, maybe he took that L and was like, okay, if that has to happen, then that has to happen, right? Mm-hmm. So people are forgetting that. It's like, no, it also could purposely prejudice jokes like, yeah, that bitch is racist, but maybe that's the way we have to go. Yeah, she's racist, but she's willing to work with me. Exactly. Which... Which, I mean, sometimes you just gotta take what you can get. And I respect that. Um, But yeah, no, Susan B. Anthony, don't stand her. I'm not saying she didn't do important things for white women. She was a key part of gaining women, white women's right to vote in 1920. Well, 1919, 1920, around that time, depending on the state you were in. She was integral in that. I'm not gonna take that away. But you also have to recognize she was not like this saint she wasn't a great person she was a raging racist in a lot of circumstances like you can't ignore that or you're just going to set people up for disappointment to think it's what happens white women have these idols and they find out they're not as great as they thought they were also you can say that also don't have like you just said don't have idols in history fuck everyone in history and take that out okay but what you can think about is like okay this person did this, and that was pretty important, but also they're fucking racist. In the conversation there, then we're okay. Well, yeah. If someone had that conversation to me about Susan B. Anthony, why did I write a report about her? That still has yeah, me no, mad. Like you, just, you have to have holistic views of people in history. You just do. And holistic means you have to look at, you know, they did things that are important. They were also bad people. Okay, pause for a second. This may or may not stay in this podcast. But, so, a meat lover's is ham, beef, You can just pepper. order a meat lover's. You don't have to, like, do the custom one. I don't know. Go to pizza. Okay. Scroll down. Where is it? It's somewhere. It's, like, in their specialties or something. See? What is this? Is, is this it the meatza? I feel like it's the meatza, and that's the one she wants. continue <laughs> holistic views of people and me lovers pizzas let's go um yeah what else but like yeah i mean let's look at that susan b anthony we all know we all know who she is we know what she did Mo- a lot of people don't know ida b wells and what she did you know i'm not gonna lie i don't know that much about ida b wells because i don't really look into like women's suffrage as like a historical thing appeared it's just not something i've ever found myself to be interested in yeah. But Ida B. Wells is an important figure in that too, especially fighting for like black women and having the right to vote. Yeah, I I think, which of course, if you lived in that time, you're probably engaged in like everything. Like mm-hmm. you don't just have your niche. But I think normally, if history books do talk about her, they normally put her because I feel like she was more famous about 
is like just her working with anti-lynching essentially yeah that's only where people like put her she had more of a place there or like did more of her works reflect that i think what people susan b anthony pushed her out of the movement pretty like explicitly was like no i'm not working with you which is why even to this day i just think there's like like this is what my fault was especially like the susan b anthony's any people in history and people stand her i was like she's really the reason why to this day like black women side eye white women like it's no other because and it has continues to happen through each like women's movement each time something happens it's normally the two sides are normally black women and white women and it's because like the trust has been broken multiple times and people realize like oh maybe i should then just like stay with my own race like maybe like fighting with white women is gonna fuck me over in the end and it also creates the women where, like, the women creates the um, dichotomy where, like, you have the dichotomy of white women versus black women. And so, like, Latino women, Asian women, all these people, like, they don't know where to go. They're like, do we side with white women? Do we side with black women? Do we make our own thing? Because there just isn't one movement. Yeah. Honestly, go with black women or start your own thing. Don't go with the white woman thing. I mean, <laughs> as a Latina, I will say there is still, like, a lot of tension between like black populations and latino populations um especially among women for some reason it's a problem like a lot of especially like latinos are just racist as shit um like people don't want to recognize that like afro latinx people exist but then there's also the issue where i've met black people who don't like like i knew someone who's like mexican and black and they're like well she's black why does she always want to talk about her being mexican it's like because she is yeah i think well because i definitely think black people are like once you're a part of this collective mm-hmm you've chosen to almost forsake every other identity yeah like once you're black you're black Mm -hmm. in the discussion and so that's like most people are like i mean less with like i feel like people who are mixed in they're like but they're mixed with like another minority Mm -hmm. but more so if it's like black like if you're half black and half white because it's like one of your identities has hold some privilege which like makes the collective like uncomfortable because it's like colorism all that stuff blah blah blah, right like there's other like there's reasons why that tension exists but it definitely is like yeah once you definitely when people would say afro-latina and like black people are uh, upset about that they're like no you're black because you chose to be a part of this collective so be a part of it or not is i think more the sentiment around it but yeah that happens so yeah but um we've got i mean we could probably do a whole other podcast about like race and women and all that kind of shit um but yeah um okay so i wanted to talk about okay we talked about like voting and whatever but especially like in the 70s and 80s right like then the second women's movement really started gaining a lot of traction and the problem that (laughs) i mean there's a lot of problems (laughs) (laughs) we have so many issues with second white feminism but i remember the first time i had ever heard someone critique um feminism in any way was my freshman year of college and it was like this reading we were taught had and it was like during the time you know in 70s and 80s white women are like fuck this we want to go to work we want to have the ability to enter into the workforce right and everyone should go into the workforce like your kids need to go to like daycares or with families but you like the women itself is equal should be in the workforce like a man right the problem was (laughs) 
women of color didn't feel the same way necessarily mm-hmm. because they actually were like, bitch, we've always been in the workforce working for your ass. Yeah. Right. Like we've been your servants, your maids, whatever. Right. We've been that person. We're the waitresses. We're whatever. Mm-hmm. Bitch, no, maybe I do want to be at home. Right. Yeah. Maybe I want to be a stay at home mom. Why can't that be like, normalized as well? There was always this issue with like, especially like Southern California, Texas area where like Latino women were always like maids and dishwasher all these things were like really culturally especially during that time we could critique that machismo another time but like they wanted to be home their husbands wanted them home they couldn't be home so i feel like yeah white women didn't recognize that and then anytime they would say something like that and i think it created this issue of like where white women want to brush off like latinx and like a lot of times black culture because they see it as regressive or like we're naturally more progressive than you when they don't realize that like that progression so to say so to speak is a part of privilege like the privilege to be able to say like yeah i want to work i don't want to be at home is like something else i just did not recognize as a privilege yeah and also didn't recognize that like because for generations black people latinx chinese like it really is like black people like for centuries latinos came in a little bit later but yeah like i i definitely think what you said was so true that like it definitely is culturally right like in the south like it's definitely more south and like the northeast it's more common like for like the maid or whatever to be the black person right but definitely if you're in the southwest it's far more that's going to be a latinx like woman right like that's what's going to happen yeah and um but what the problem was is that like continuously for like decades and of course for black people like centuries They've always had to take care of your kids. Heck, in yeah. some ways, your kids were their kids more than their kids were, right? Like, that's crazy that they had more of a bond to people they technically worked for than their own kids. And so, okay, for this generation, like, fuck that. I want my kid to actually know me. Yeah. <laughs> like, great. <laughs> Let's fix those problems, right, with generations in the house. And so you're just like... The fact that people don't understand that is crazy. I may not understand why a woman to be a stay-at-home mom. Bitch, I don't. I, I can't. If I ever decide <laughs> to have kids, I do not want to be with that kid 24-7. <laughs> but I do respect that someone wants that. Mm-hmm. And I, on, on some level, do understand why they may want that. Mm-hmm. But you should have the fucking choice to do that. Like, yeah. I, I'm not going to judge you if that's what you want in your life. But no, definitely... People judging, um, I had a Danish professor who I did not like um, when I was in Denmark, and he was like, it's interesting now that this new wave is kind of not seen as a progression, or he saw it as more like somewhat of progression, somewhat of regression. It's because, like you said, that black women, women of color in general, actually want the choice to stay home or not, right? Yeah. Like, they want... But also, what's become with this movement is, like, they not only want to stay home, but, of course, people want to be economically feasible to stay home because it's not in American culture mm-hmm. right now because it... You know, it's housing, not feasible for people to stay home right now. If they want to, exactly. So, like, now, of course, people are like, no, I actually want to be paid to stay home yeah. so I can stay home with my kids, right? At least for, like, a lot of people just literally being like, I just need maternity leave. I need, like, a f- six months. Exactly. So, um... He was like, it's interesting because people do see it as like a regression, like that people do want that. And I was like, no, no, no. Bitch, I actually feel like I meet a lot of people our age and everyone's like, bitch, if I had to stay home with those kids. No, but like, <laughs> but I feel like, like a lot of times, it dis- I mean, obviously just stay home on, but I feel like the discussion is like a lot of times maternity leave where yeah. you were expected to go back to work in six weeks. Yeah. And there are people who just had like major invasive surgery right after having a baby. And even if you didn't have major invasive surgery as in like a C-section. Yeah. 
you're not healed like your body is still trying to fix itself yeah for like months after that like and you're just like no nope, just gotta go to work now i yeah. don't care if your vagina is completely fucked over like you just gotta go to work now yeah i mean that's a um, which is crazy that still is not done but i mean the problem with that is it also needs to be paternity leave and they also need yeah. to take that as well like guys need to take that because there needs to be a guarantee that to equalize like the playing field when they're applying for jobs right because the problem is like if you're a woman and you're young what are, what is your employer might assume about you that you're going to have kids right yeah, it's also difficult for women when they first give birth to take care of that child because like you're in a lot of pain you're bleeding for six straight weeks like there's just a lot going on and then people are like oh you also have to take care of a kid alone because your husband or your partner whoever has to go back to work exactly so that was one thing i think it's interesting dynamic that exists now it's like why do people like i understand why some feminists care about of course the reasons why people choose to stay home right like you said like sometimes culturally it can actually be like sexism or whatever right that is like pushing that but also you have to realize it's like whether it is or it isn't maybe they want to for also separate reasons, maybe it is that reason, but if you are pushing against people and their choice to do something, you're going to become part of the enemy, right? Mm-hmm. Which, like you said, maybe it was due to, like, sexism and, like, second class in, like, their own culture, but now don't they see... Don't dismiss it as such. Don't dismiss it because now they don't trust you as well, right? Now they're like, okay, they will never understand what it means to be me in this country, so, like, they're not my Also, allies. like, I wouldn't want to just clean some white woman's house. Exactly. I'm not gonna lie. I'm like, yeah, I'd rather just be home with my kids. Like, at least I made them. And they're driving me crazy because I made them. Not just some white lady or white man or whoever. Crap, I can't get her this pizza. Why? Because they contactless order? Wait, where are we gonna drop it off? I don't know. Sorry, mom. Oh, okay, um, you guys, epic struggle of me getting this food to my mother. Um. But yeah. Um. Also, second wave feminism. Uh. I think this is without. I hope it doesn't even just need to be mentioned, but like very transphobic. I mean, like feminism today is still transphobic, but it was like extremely transphobic back then. Um. Turfs to the extreme, like everyone was a turf. Um. Because, like, I've recently had to, like, really learn and figure out why it is a lot of, like, trans people don't trust lesbians. And a lot of it has to goes back to, like, 70s, like, lesbian feminism. Because lesbians were, of course, excluded by straight people. And then, of course, we went around and, like, excluded trans people. Because we're like, oh, no, you're a man. Uh, which isn't true. Mm-hmm. Just because they have a penis or not, I don't know their life, um, doesn't necessarily make them a man. They can still be women. And it's just, like, to this day is a big problem. But I feel like it was especially, like... If you were a trans person, that was the end of that. Like, you could not be a part of any form of feminist coalition or anything like that. I remember learning about that sophomore year in college, and I just thought, of course, I don't agree, but I'm so little, but I, I understood the frustration, but I was like, I think you're taking that frustration. Like you said, they're projecting what they've experienced onto someone else, mm-hmm. and they don't know how to, like, work it out. Um and so, and apparently, <laughs> but just still don't know how to work that out because <laughs> they're still around. So many people, so many turfs. But yeah, I also think 
so yeah i think those are the major criticisms it just like not understanding still living out like women of color in general still of course not understanding the dynamics of like working class and how not seeing that like your place in society in terms of wealth can really mm-hmm. impact what you want what is capable capable um yeah and that's it but i think the third wave i guess we're in which is honestly similar to the second wave criticisms but i think there's more of a fight for intersectionality in this one i mean yeah but like I there's more of a conversation around it like I, there are still plenty of issues with racism and transmisogyny and homophobia and all that stuff within feminism but i feel like at least now there is more of a conversation around it than there was last time where it's just like completely they didn't want to talk about it I feel like, though, I just have no faith in anything. I need hope again. (laughs) Um, But I feel like the problem with this wave, which maybe it's all progression. Maybe it'll all work out in the end. I could be wrong. I hope. And, but I feel like the problem is exactly what we're seeing in Kamala Harris, like the vice presidency. That's like the third wave of feminism. So, what was I talking about? Yeah, Kamala Harris. It's just like... I understand why people are happy about it, but I'm like, bitch, I don't fucking care. Like, I, I it just, just feels so surface level. It is because that's it's almost all like people just can't get out of second wave feminism. Yeah, because it, it's just so surface level. That's what kills me. It's like I get it. You know what? Who doesn't want a black woman to become by VP? Also, fuck that. Be the president at that point. But there's like she may become president anyway. So like whatever, mm-hmm. which is part of also the reason why people are celebrating about it. But she's not gonna give a shit about black women she's not going to give a shit so that's why it kills me when i see black women being like oh my gosh it's so good i'm like no that's stupid elitism it is because it's just like but it's the people who are like celebrating uh, it it's like um white women. white women but also there's some black women doing it but they're all people who have wealth yeah. Right. Who don't need her to do anything to fundamentally change their lives. I think, yeah, I think now we're seeing the issue more than anything of classism. Yeah. Within feminism at this point in the third wave. Exactly. That, like, it's finally come to light that, like, at the base of it, classism is this massive issue. Yeah. And that it's still, of course, not being addressed. And I, even I feel like, um, I, I follow her on Twitter now. To be fair, I don't know all of her work, so this criticism could be completely unfair. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't know if you know Kimberly Kimberly Crenshaw. Like, I do not. <gasps> JK, it's fine. Um, but she's the person who coined the term, like, pretty much intersectionality. Mm. And was just, like, the big pusher, actually, beginning of 89, yeah. of intersectionality, essentially, in feminism. And she, I, she's written stuff about, you know, like... Um, how like racism and sexism can affect black women in like the workplace of Mm -hmm. course how people look at police shootings right and everything and so she's pretty actually amazing person but even her work something that's like sometimes it's just not addressed enough i think in her work to me is class and how that can impact people because i think she underlying does it but she doesn't do it as overt as i i would prefer her to do it but it's yeah recognizing that like a working class black woman is going to have just a, a completely different struggle mm-hmm. than like a rich black woman. 
Mm-hmm. And to recognize that and, like, the nuances that exist there, of course. Like, I'm not going to say Beyonce is not going to suffer racism, but I'll also know Beyonce is not Chelsea, right? Like, <laughs> like the power that she has is insane. So it's, like, and the power that I would have if someone, you know, was, like, uh, being racist toward me or, like, mm-hmm. um, sexually harassing me is completely different, right? So just looking at that it's like i think kimberly crenshaw is like you know also exhibits that problem of like not looking at class enough um though i feel like she does somewhat but it's just like not looking at it and seeing how that can also influence how things Mm -hmm. go and also know like when you're praising like the kamala harris type of people and the stacey abrams and the michelle obamas it's like no wait a minute what are these people actually going to do for the working class nothing because they don't care. Exactly. And especially the working class black women. Because like we talked about, like working class people are essentially black women, women of color. That is the working class. So mm-hmm. if you're not doing anything for those people, you're really not doing anything for any of the working class. And you're just there to be acute, like to be a symbol for progress. Mm-hmm. When in fact, like you said, like in a way of class, like nothing has changed since the like, literally 70s and 80s. W- even before then. Class yeah. in the United States runs hella deep, and I feel yeah. like it's just one of those issues we have never even tried to talk about until recently. And even now, talking about class is still really taboo because people always want to talk about in ways we're like, oh, we'll just cover classism, we'll just talk about racism, let's cover up classism, let's talk about sexism. And now I think we've addressed sexism and racism to an extent. We've gotten to a point where classism is becoming so much more prevalent. And these issues, because we're like, oh, well, we've done this for, like, women. We've done this for people of color. And that there is still this prevalent issue. Exactly. Because I think, like you said, like, they've been addressed to a certain extent, but they've been addressed just so on superficial yeah. levels. So people The have, deeper issues are coming the, up. Yeah, the deeper issues of that fact that, like, in America, and someone said this, and it's so true, you can't address classism without addressing racism in america no like those things are so intertwined it's crazy so it's like to really address racism in this you country have you have to address classism i mean and it's sexism. like it's like come on oh i think someone was talking about on tiktok or somewhere where like there are three main problems capitalism patriarchy and white supremacy and they all kind of work together and they're all linked you can't really just address one and not address the others. They all have to be addressed together in order for anything to actually change. Yeah. You can't choose white supremacy is what I'm dealing with. Because if you want to deal with white supremacy, you have to deal with capitalism. You have to deal with the patriarchy. Exactly. I think even now when I meet white feminists, I'm like, I can think they're like, oh, I'm a white feminist. No. But when I meet white women, especially, and I, I can sense that they're feminists. Yay, I guess. You're not crazy. <laughs> but what I automatically just try to make them see that it's like, dude, you have to realize that all these other systems of oppression are working simultaneously. Mm-hmm. And you need to be an ally. Because what I was talking about before about how in every segment of like a movement that centered where white women are a part of it mm-hmm. in some somewhere black women are on the other side they've now made an enemy of black women because yeah. even like the women's march i don't remember, remember the drama around that i don't remember all of it because i also was like i'm depressed trump is president <laughs> but the second one i'm pretty sure the second year that was supposed to happen mm-hmm. there actually ended up being two marches 
and one was with like the white woman was the leader and one was the black woman and it's because in every moment this ends up happening but it's because like black women end up being mm-hmm. the doing the work of that movement but are never the face of it and never are like the head of that movement like at all yeah and so even when that happened uh one of the black women was accused of being anti uh semi and i'm like i don't remember what she was accused of saying or what around it but there is like had that has happened before like a black woman has been accused of anti-semite and then like people white women don't like her and so then it causes like an issue yeah that probably didn't exist but like before that even happened the black women in like the women's march and like in that organization were like hey you promised we'd actually have more of like we'd be in the more forefront of this movement Mm -hmm. and we haven't been so what are you gonna do and clearly I mean, those women aren't there anymore. So it's like that also happens. It's like you have to give space to other people. Like black women are sick of helping other people struggle and no one giving a shit about them. Right. So women of color are just tired of surface level bullshit. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I think like Latino women, especially because I think that's more like I'm involved with. We're tired of the racism involved with because people like white people try to be like, fuck your machismo. And I'm like, you don't get to say that. I get to say that, yeah, because yeah, that's something I experience firsthand all the time. Like, have you met my father? My cheese mother shit. Um, but like, white women don't get it, and it's not something like you need to save us from. And I feel like a lot of times I have that perspective that like us, like Latina women, would be saved from that. Like, we're just like these damsels. Like, no, no, that's not yours to deal with. That's yeah. ours to deal with in the way we find appropriate culturally or whatever. Oh my gosh, <laughs> the fact that people. I mean, we've talked about when we were talking about how, like, uh, when you, like, white women, especially, um, when they come into, like, the schools and think they can save the kids and, like, this impulse. Um, Even when I was writing, actually, my personal statement, because I'm applying to law school, and even in my paper, I found myself almost saying, like, I was going to save someone. I was like, no, 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 no. Even in the paper, I'm like, I want to empower someone. I want to give them the resources they need to make a decision on their own. Bitch, I'm not here to save you. I'm here to be here at assistance. Yeah. And even I had to, that's why I'm trying to say is like, and in this podcast, if you're a white woman listening to this podcast, we're not saying that we don't understand that impulse of like wanting to save someone. Oh, I understand it. Yeah. We all grew up in this country. I see all like my baby gays and I'm like, let me like, so Jerry did the lie. And I'm like, no, 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 they no, got no. to figure themselves out. I just want you to give you the resources to figure out on your own yeah okay so it's just like that's the idea you need to have people because people don't want to be saved one a lot of people just want the resources in the system so they can just exist and survive yeah but also they just want to have like assistance so that they can make a decision on their own because even if you don't agree with that decision that's fine just know that okay you gave them what they could they made that decision you're like if it doesn't work out and you knew it wouldn't work out then be there and be like do you need me, buddy? Once it doesn't work out. Yeah. That's that's your role in this. We need allies, not leaders. Exactly. Because, like, we got it. We got it. We, I, don't, I don't need anyone to save me. So, yeah, I just feel like that's something, especially if you want to be, quote, unquote, an ally. Which even, like, recently someone said this. I'm like, that term just makes me feel weird. And I was like, oh, it does. But if you just want to be a fucking friend, chill the fuck out. Yeah. No one needs you to save them. I promise you that. Also, stop being defensive. Yeah. Like, when we have criticisms for you, like, sometimes, yes, we get heated because this is, like, generations of bullshit we've dealt with, and it just, it gets really tiring. 
I'm sure you as an s- individual person are great. Maybe. I don't know. I've never met you, but like, <laughs> don't take things so personally. Or yeah. do. I mean, if you're taking it personally, it's probably because you're the one who needs to hear it. I don't know. Exactly. Maybe you should take it personally. <laughs> Maybe you should. Also, this whole top, this whole podcast, we've mostly focused more on historical matters that anyway. Is so, I mean, that, that tends to be what I do anyway. <laughs> it's easier to deal with everything in the past and everything in the present. Yeah. It is. Maybe that's also why I'm more interested in IR politics now, because I'm just like, it's so easier to do other people's bullshit than your own. I also feel like people have an easier time with, like, really confronting certain things when you put it into historical. Like, I think it's easier for people to, like, come to terms and say, fuck Susan B. Anthony, than it is just be like, wow, your white feminism sucks. Because then you're getting to the root of it and you'll be like, well, now that we've said fuck Susan B. Anthony and you agree, let's talk about the rest of this. Let's Let's get to 2020 now. Exactly. So... Do you have anything to add? I feel like we really like, <laughs> dissected that. <laughs> I mean, of course, we could have talked about more, but like, wow. Um, anything yeah. else? I'm good. Okay. That's all I should say about white women at this point. Yeah. I mean, you can always leave a comment on these platforms. <laughs> I will argue with a comment like no other. <laughs> um, and I have to tell Chelsea to stop. <laughs> I won't, though. Um, but okay. We're on multiple platforms. Hope you find them. Hey, if you're on Apple Podcasts, because I've been on there mm. and I've seen, hey, leave us a rating. Five stars, please. Um, I've, I don't know if Spotify has something find like that. Find us on Instagram. What's our tag on Instagram? Oh, fuck, I am woke and tired. I am woke and tired. And find, find us. us on there when we actually post shit. Um, I put a couple stuff on our timeline, but that's it. Um, but, okay, Please like and subscribe on these platforms. Follow us. Share it with friends. That would be great. Okay. This is I'm Woke and Tired. (laughs) Your hosts, Chelsea. And Miranda. Bye.